Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Second hour underway. Outkick 360 We're back. from Yeehaw and Old Smoky Distillery. We are back. back. It's known as Sixth and Peabody. Back. Chad especially is We're back. back. Don't ask us where it is. Chad. Sixth and Peabody. It's in the name. You see that bartender over there? You go tell, let them know we're back. We need to go tell them ahead, all that up, we are back. Her, let them know. Tell them we're back. Hold on, guys. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> uh, uh, Armando Salguero will be back with us. Uh, he joins us in 20 minutes. Armando never left. It's almost like he never left. He's just always on the we Zoom. We left, and we ba- we're back. We're but, officially but back. Armando, Armando never even there. left. He's, He's just, just there. there. Armando's there. <laughs> Armando's there. I'll go tell that bartender Your slogan's on back, and Armando's is there. Odell is in L.A. He's returning to L.A. He fits the L.A. vibe, too. Totally. Yeah. And he needed to go to the right I kind just, of locker room. I, I, I can never like the right see kind of him going to Green Bay on, on his own will. You don't will. see him in a big parka? I just don't see him living in, you know, some condo, some townhome in Green Bay, Wisconsin, playing for the Packers. L.A. makes sense yeah. for Odell Beckham Jr. Pretty similar, similar to uh, Green Bay, like a worse version of Cleveland. Where do players in Green Bay actually live? There are nice suburbs there. Lafleur. Suburbs. It, the whole town is so a suburb. Like it's time, the size of a suburb. The last yeah. time the Titans played there, we were driving. We were driving down the main drag. It reminds me of a little, it's, a very small college town. It's like Murfreesboro. It's like Murfreesboro. It's about the same size um, as Murfreesboro. Yeah, and we were driving down, and there was a house for sale. And so Philip Noel and I quickly look it up. Eighty-two thousand dollars. You could buy this house in Green Bay, and it's, it's probably right there house, next right? to the stadium. It's uh, it's not close. It's not close to Lambeau, but it's downtown Green Bay. Like it's it's a Which ten minute drive from. Is it an older home? I'm guessing. I mean, it, it looks like an old like off campus frat house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Eighty two thousand. Eighty two thousand. Shortly after, I would Lafleur, buy that if I was a Packers fan or yeah. just to rent it out. Yeah. On the I, weekends. Same here. Shortly after. Shortly after Lafleur. Let's go in on that. <laughs> it was right next to the Green Bay Strip <laughs> that's Club. That's a that's a great investment. Shortly after it Lafleur the got the job, strippers in the off season. <laughs> Shortly after Lafleur got the job, I met somebody from Green Bay. Uh, my neighbor's from Wisconsin, the buddy, and he had guests who were from Green Bay. And I, I was telling about Lafleur, who lived in the neighborhood over from mine. And they were like, he's got to live in Northridge or whatever it was. <laughs> got to live in Northridge. Got to live in Northridge. And I texted him and I'm like, I'm with somebody from Green Bay who says you must live in whatever Northridge. the thing was. And he said, that's where we're building. <laughs> building? See, and it's, I remember. We're adding. Um, we're adding the, to Northridge. There was some NFL Films thing. It was either a football life on Favre or Mike Holmgren, one of the two. But they had footage of Favre and players pranking Mike Holmgren. They lived in the same neighborhood. And they went and trick-or-treated on Halloween to Holmgren's house. They had Massey on or whatever and asked yeah. for candy. And I'm looking at the house and I'm thinking, this, lo- this house, house is, this looks like a house that before real estate blew up would have been like $285,000 in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. <laughs> like the house that Mike Holmgren lives in. It's just, it's a nice neighborhood. You know, it's a nice yeah. subdivision in Wisconsin. But I, I was expecting water in the back and, you know, a, a 
some a sort moat. of porch overlooking uh, uh, the, the Green Bay River or whatever the hell's up there. I was expecting all this luxury That's around not exclusive not- to Green Bay, though. Like, I've driven by in Cleveland, you know, the entries to subdivisions well, where diff- it said starting at 2.30. Yeah. And I was like, my God, for 2.30? Yeah, oh, no doubt. That's yeah. unbelievable. I go it's to like Nebraska. I in go to Nashville, Nebraska. that would be 1.2. Yeah, not to brag on myself, but I'm pretty sure I could buy the downtown of where, where I go to Nebraska. Yeah. Like every building. I mean, yeah. if you guys want to go in on a sports bar <laughs> in this town of Nebraska, we could probably buy it in cash right now with what we have in our pocket. Yeah, I'll pass. I mean, real estate's not the same everywhere. Yeah. I get that, but location, every, location, location. Every pro sports market has that subdivision or that neighborhood, yeah, that suburb that all the big wigs go to. That that's where you're going to live. You know, D- Detroit has what is it? Oakland, yeah, is a nice area. Everywhere's got some. I, I just don't know if Green Bay has that. And for that reason, circling right back to the original point. You Odell Beckham Jr. is not going to buy that $82,000 home in downtown Green Bay. But you know what else Green Bay has? And I've said this about any guy being away from wherever. Once you're X miles away from where you want to be, they all have an airport. Oh, it's, you're saying you can get, aware, get around anytime you want but to? But Green Bay, you're, unless you're going private, you're, you're probably headed to Milwaukee. <laughs> That's the one. Again, this is the one place where it doesn't have... You're flying a connection. Yeah, I've that, got a, a I got point. a buddy whose family's from around Green Bay, and they they fly into Milwaukee and drive what two hours, two three hours north. That's it's not great. It's not great. Baltimore down in South Beach, uh, they will be playing the Dolphins tonight. Miami Gardens, Florida, uh, the exact location. Now to stay with this theme of quality primetime games, yep. the Dolphins are going to need to play their best game of the season or their best game since opening day. I'm not betting on it. I think we get a dud tonight. Probably. Uh, the reason why is Baltimore can run the football. Miami cannot. Miami averages 29 minutes of time of possession on the season. I mean, that's horrible. They, they, they're three and out or they're passing game only. They cannot run the football. They're, I think their leading rusher has about 300 yards total on the season. Last four games against the Dolphins, Lamar, nine touchdowns, an average of 80 rushing yards a game. Brutal. That is not bad for Lamar Jackson. Devin Duvernay, uh, maybe he's not a household name. He's a special teams guy that, like Cordero Patterson, you do not want to kick to him. He is excellent. Um, he can bust this game open tonight on Thursday night. If you have him uh, on uh, for special teams defense and fantasy, good. you've yeah, done a great job. Uh, at least one thing on every NFL game past tonight, we start in the division for the AFC South. Jacksonville in Indianapolis – Jonathan Taylor, he's rushed for a touchdown in six consecutive games. He now leads the NFL in yards per, uh, from scrimmage, a little over 1,100 yards. He doesn't get a bulk of carries, though. Give him 22 instead of 19. All I'm asking for is, like, get him across the threshold. Jacksonville, by the way, they're still looking for their first road win of the season. Um, Bills and Jets, this is interesting because Mike White, they're turning things back over to him. He performed well in his last big start, over 400 yards passing. Uh, the only Jets quarterback this season to not pass for at least 300 yards is Zach Wilson. Everyone else has done that. Um, they won't be playing Joe Flacco, uh, by the way. The Bills, their number one defense, they've held three teams this season without a touchdown, and they've won two of those games. <laughs> yeah, they lost Most recently, <laughs> Jacksonville, they lost 9-6. Panthers at the Cardinals. We mentioned Cam Newton is back in Carolina, but... It's going to be P.J. Walker who gets the start for Carolina this week. Maybe we see him in relief. 
Possibly. Uh, Sam Darnold's out four to six weeks, but he may be out of town out. by the time this is all out. over. Um, last week was Colt McCoy's 31st start in the NFL, and he has now won a regular season game for four different franchises. Cleveland, Washington, Giants, and now the Cardinals. The Cardinals were winning even without Kyler Murray. Impressive. It's pretty amazing that not only did they win, they won easily with Colt McCoy at Didn't miss a beat. Eagles are traveling to Denver. Denver has been through this little stretch of the NFC East. They are 3-0 and against that division. They finish it up this weekend. And if you stop the run, you stop the Eagles. It's very it, – well, Miami never runs the ball well. It's a similar game plan, though. You just have to make them one-dimensional, and they're done. Denver was awesome last week. Uh, I mean, that was, yeah. a, uh, th- that was a candidate for one yeah. of the biggest upsets of the year. Then you get something like uh, the Bills losing to Jacksonville and forget about it. With Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are averaging 24 points per game. We know how bad they are without him. I believe they're 8-0 and without Devontae Adams. Yeah. I, which is bizarre. I, I don't know if that's up to date or not. They it were 8-0 when they played up. Arizona, uh, when, when they were about to play Arizona. I think that was the, the stat. Anyway, they're, they're not good without their starting quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Um, we, we know the value there. And Russell Wilson is back for Seattle. Seattle on the road this week in Green Bay. They just said that he he just, uh, Russell Wilson, I think, talked today, said he did 19-hour days of rehab to try to cut the rehab time in half. Do we 19 buy that? 19 hours? Do we buy that? Yeah, I mean, that means he slept with something on his hand. Yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'll take that. He took it off when he woke up for four hours. Yeah, yeah he's got no, some sort I'll, of I'll take that. I'm not taking that he's up for hand. 19 hours a day. Yeah, my, my first like, thought would be, you're looking at his hand. Like, you're really sacrificing yeah, the sleep he slept with something on his hand. Or what's his wife's name? Ciara? Ciara? Yeah. <laughs> so many jokes. <laughs> or she's doing something with his name? No. Vikings and Chargers oh, uh, this I'll, weekend. I'll refrain. This is a massive game. This is, uh, I, I, lo- I can't wait to watch this game. Chargers, desperate for a win. Vikings, desperate for a win. And uh, m- meanwhile, you've got LA returning back home and they've not stopped the run. Dalvin Cook in the news. Is We're going to get to that. I, th- I believe so. Uh, based on uh, what I was reading last night, I mean, he can rip them apart. They are yeah, terrible. They, they stop the run. The Chargers allow 160 yards per game on the ground. That's the next worst team is 140. That's got to get better. I, I don't understand how they were having the success they were having despite that. I know. But they've got to change their stripes or they're dead meat. Well, the good news is Herbert is back to playing like Justin Herbert. At least he was last week. So we'll Got to string that, it together and, and have that be a, a slump that he went through instead of uh, you know and something that recurs. For as bad as the Chargers are uh, stopping the run, the Vikings cannot stop the pass. So if you have Mike Williams, if you have Keenan Allen, start them in fantasy. They also football. don't target Justin Jefferson enough, and they've talked this week about getting, getting that more. number up. Tampa Bay is in Washington. Uh, Brady has won his last four games coming off a bye. He averages around 330 yards passing, and he has 25 touchdown passes on the season. Washington ranks last in the NFL against the pass. They have allowed an NFC high 20 touchdowns defensively through the air. Start Brady. You would anyway, but Brady's about to have a great game against Washington's defense. Steelers are back home after their road victory. They're hosting Detroit. Can Detroit play spoiler? Detroit has lost 12 straight games going back to last season. I don't think they're going to go winless. When I watch this team play, they play too hard it's for hard a winless, to go winless. team. Um, Roethlisberger played much better. He's now thrown a touchdown pass in 24 consecutive games. 
But the key is he's not pairing that with interceptions like he was to begin the season and their one and three start. I don't think Detroit's going winless, but I don't think this is the week. They have a difficult stretch coming up, but th- this is just an interesting game. It's where they the, Detroit had a bye week, so that people think that based on the bye week, maybe they have a game plan for Detroit. Or one of two ways Pittsburgh. to look at it: either they're not going to go winless because it's so difficult to do so, or they're going winless because they've missed their close chances already. Maybe, and we've seen those. Patriots are hosting the Browns. That's a good game. Nick Chubb, though, is out due to COVID protocol. That's a bad game. remains in COVID protocol, and he rushed for 137 but yards But we've last seen week. them run successfully with uh, nobody, right? Yeah. The De'Ernest. De'Ernest Johnson. Um, so, you know, they, they can do it again. Patriots playing tough defense, though. That's a, that's a big AFC game right there. Um, I still want to like Cleveland in all of these games, but I'm, I'm not completely a believer. Patriots have returned interceptions for touchdowns in two consecutive games. And if you can make them one-dimensional, they can make it three. Uh, Cowboys hosting the Falcons. The Cowboys only have 16 sacks on the season. 11 of those have come at home. They are at home this week uh, hosting the Falcons. have to be pissed off, fired up, and Atlanta's doing a nice job. But if I'm picking one game out of everything you've listed so far to be blowout caliber, this is it. Dallas is so much better than they were against Denver last week. And they were just destroyed. I, I would think Dallas and Dak come out just fired up. How about Arthur Smith's Falcons are currently in playoff position? And they're do you know why? Because they have a clutch kicker, Young Ho Koo or whatever his name is. Yep. Three of their four Sounds wins. Right. Three of their four wins have come as time expired with his kick. They've scrapped. They've scrapped because they're not very talented. They're not particularly talented. He's also figured out the Cordell Patterson dilemma better than any other coach. And he said... Of where to play him and how to utilize him. He said a couple of his assistants who had experience with him before, Dave Ragone among them, who was a a Titans assistant here years ago, which is where Arthur Smith got to know him, sold him on Cordell Patterson. He he didn't know much about him and, and wasn't into it. They said, we can figure out ways to use this guy to make him more than he's been because he's good. Dave Ragone. And, yeah. The way you said what it, you, you sounded you said Ragone, but it sounded like uh, Adam Sandler in the Ragone. comedy album about the Ragu Festival. <laughs> <laughs> you boys going to the reggae festival? That huh? was me stumbling over that his was, name. But no, that, you got you got it right. Smart, it was just a different a, accent you put on. That it. was that's Arthur Smith, quintessential Arthur Smith, taking good advice from people, and they've gotten maximum value out of him. Um, Probably just got to shut us, shut down on YouTube for doing that. That's not too much like Adam oh, Sandler. God. Intellectual oh, property. Oh, you guys are using Adam Sandler Which now. Trust me, you were safe on that. That okay. sounded <laughs> nothing like Adam Sandler. Thank you, Rick. Good. I'll uh, get back to impressions I know how to Sunday do. Sunday night football, Raiders host the Chiefs. The Raiders are one of four teams that have a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense, believe it or not. Hard to do, but there's been just so much chaos there. Are they – is? Is Carr strong enough? He might be because his leadership has really gone up. Strong enough to hold this team together through Gruden, through Ruggs, through um, Arnett. Yeah, top 10 offense, top 10 defense, number one in distractions and monumental distractions this year. Kansas City's under more pressure. Though that division's a mishmash. Um, Mahomes had his first turnover-free game since week one last yeah. week. Against and they Bay. still weren't good and scored 14 points. Uh, and then Monday Night Football, 49ers hosting the Rams. The Rams entered week nine as the least penalized team and then racked up like 
10 or 10 or 11 against I think the Titans. 13 maybe 13 yeah uh was was not a pretty game I uh, look the good teams bounce back and uh, I'm saying I think Dallas will do it I would expect the Rams to do it too partly because San Francisco is just not very good not very good well they're good on the road they're terrible at home they have they're one of three teams that have yet to win a home game see those that's what's contributing to this lack of home field advantage you've you got a couple teams that just stink at home, which yep. is helping this thing where more teams are winning on the road than at home. The Patriots are terrible at home. They've only won one game at which home. Which is just absolutely insane for the level of home field advantage they've had for, for their whole dynasty. We'll preview the, uh, the one game we didn't mention, Saints and Titans, later in today's show with three keys for how the Titans beat the Saints. Uh, we'll also give you an update on uh, the injury report and uh, dive into some of the bigger topics with some of the players, including Taylor Lewan. Uh, from today's media availability. When we come back, Armando Salguero stays with the NFL theme. The biggest news and notes and headlines. We discuss them all with Armando from OutKick next on OutKick 360. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in Miami tonight for Thursday Night Football to take on the Dolphins. We will uh, preview that game and much more. I've really in just a moment with Armando Salguero. Come to like Thursday night football as a bridge. Like yeah. it comes on you so fast that you know the one week's barely over before the next week starts. I like it from that regard. I am sympathetic to players over it, especially the road team. Yeah, and if the if the schedule makers screw the teams and make them travel multiple time zones, that's where it sucks. No, and if you're coming off a road game yeah. and, and you go on the road. Although they try to zones, avoid that. But, but it, it yeah. comes up. Armando Salguero with Outkick.com, senior NFL writer and columnist, joins us weekly at this time. Armando, tonight the Dolphins with two wins, hosting the Baltimore Ravens with Super Bowl aspirations. We were saying, hey, the NFL th- Thursday, Sunday, Monday night primetime games have been pretty good. We're not expecting a very good game this evening. Wow. <laughs> we're, at, we're we're leading with the Dolphins and the Ravens. O, OBJ just signed with the Rams. Well, are you not uh, going to the game tonight? Yes, I oh, okay. dressed for it. <laughs> but I'd rather be in Los Angeles. No doubt. Honest. No doubt. Uh, and I live in Miami, so that says a lot, you know? Um, look, the idea that, that this game is on national television is painful to me. Uh, <laughs> it really is. I, I mean, the NFL should do something about hiding teams like the Houston Texans and the Miami Dolphins to regional telecasts, especially later in the year. We don't have to show, you know, typically a, a salesman shows you his best product. You don't go to a car lot and the guy and the first thing the guy shows you is the car that's been totaled. You know, and so um, the fact that the Dolphins are are on national television tonight and their quarterback is hurt, and even if he starts, he's hurt. Yep. It's it it's just it's wrong on many levels. Let's say that. But yet we will all we'll all be watching in some some capacity. Oh, yeah. yeah, Thursday night football. It's amazing. Uh, let Let's get to the news of the day. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr is going to L.A., signing with the Rams, choosing the Rams over the Packers. What does that tell you about that decision, just uh, just in general terms? And, and the fact that the Rams, uh, we were discussing in a copycat league, this is an extremely difficult thing to copy because they have the, they have the Denver Broncos at the trade deadline paying Von Miller's salary, like $9 million of it. 
And after the trade deadline, a player of Odell Beckham Jr.'s caliber is available to them at the league minimum. Right. So we've known for a while. In fact, the Rams have told us very uh, clearly they're all in on this season. And whatever happens next year, they're worried about next year. Uh, And this is another example of that. The fact that Odell Beckham picked the Rams over the Green Bay Packers, it's a little warmer in L.A. uh, than it is in Green Bay in December. The stadium is, you know, beautiful and it has a roof and it's indoors. And the one in Green Bay doesn't. And so I would say to you that for various reasons, it was comfortable for, for, for him, but it was also comfortable for the Rams in that, you know, this isn't, this is a rental guys. This isn't, you know, Odell Beckham's not going to be buying in Los Angeles. He's going to be leasing (laughs) in Los Angeles because he's being leased by the Los Angeles Rams. And even if the contract includes, you know, years beyond this one, be careful that such things, voidables uh, in contracts and so forth, things happen to contracts that let teams get out of them, just like things happen in the salary cap that allows the Los Angeles Rams, who had something like $950,000 in cap space, to sign Odell Beckham Jr. Isn't it remarkable that that he he's – in Cle- he, he manipulates his way out of the Giants to get to Cleveland. It goes badly in Cleveland. And a second time, he manipulates his way out in a favorable way. He does, he's not subjected to waivers. He doesn't have to risk being claimed by Detroit or Jacksonville or crappy team. For being a headache, he gets a nice negotiation with Cleveland that deals with t- Neaton's up termination pay and all of that stuff and gives him a choice where he gets to land with a team that's got high odds of, of going to the championship game, at least. Paul, there's always someone down the road that believes that they can turn great potential into great production. And Odell Beckham Jr. has always been great potential. He's not always been great production. He's got 16 touchdown passes in the last five years. Doing quick math, that's about three-point-something touchdowns a year. So not necessarily studly production. But the fact is that the Rams see an opening. Someone sees that he still runs a 4-3-9, and they love the idea that He is going to get down the field. They've tried this before this year, by the way, and it didn't work. That's the team that just, uh, you know, waved Deshaun Watson. Excuse me, not Deshaun Watson. Jackson. Excuse me? Deshaun Jackson. Jackson. Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I've got Deshaun Watson on my mind. Um, So I have, true story, I have Deshaun Watson dreams or (laughs) nightmares, whichever one that is. So um, another story for another day. The, the point being that the Rams think that they need a deep threat. Odell Beckham brings them that. It's not that hard to get him up to speed because you teach him three routes right away, and then the rest will come. And here's another thing. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. 
he has wiped out basically the last two quarterbacks that he's played with. So, and they're not, you know, terrible quarterback. Eli Manning took a, a ripping from Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, you know, so did Baker Mayfield here at the end in Cleveland. And so if you're Matthew Stafford, <laughs> Look you're lucky. It's only a two month, you know, relationship because ultimately it would end up much the same way. Armando, this Dalvin Cook story is is an ugly one. And um, it, it, it without getting into the legalities of it and what's going on and what she's saying, what the picture shows and what Dalvin Cook is claiming, I'm almost as interested in the Adam Schefter part of this and the reporting angle behind it. Adam Schefter's not a dumb guy. We all know that. But that first tweet was very odd. It looked like it was crafted by the attorney for Dalvin Cook. And I don't know if it's arrogance or what happened with Adam Schefter that he thought he was going to tweet that out and nothing was going to happen when he's reporting just one side of that story. What do you make of all of this, including the Adam Schefter piece? He's human. Uh, maybe that's not good radio. Maybe that's not good, you know, live video, but we make mistakes. Uh, I know I do. And I think Adam is a, um, he's a prisoner of his sources. And what I mean by that is he makes a living, uh, you know, coddling up to people and having them tell him stuff. The problem with that is sometimes people expect you to be on their side. And when they feed you information, they expect you to, you know, disseminate that information in a manner that is positive towards them. For years and years, we've seen, you know, contracts being reported as one thing. And then when the actual contract comes into the, you know, NFL Players Association, it's a totally different kind of thing. Um, and it never really gets talked about because the moment has passed and we live in a in a what have you done for me lately world and we've moved on. But I think this is an, a, a moment where, you know, Adam just went with the source and the woman who was, you know, in those pictures, which look horrible, by the way, and, you know, uh, terrible. Uh, that woman is not represented by someone connected to the NFL and thus connected to Adam Schefter. Cam Newton is back with the Panthers. Uh, what do you think about his return, what he's got left, and what this says about Sam Darnold and the state of quarterback in Charlotte? Yeah, I think the Sam Darnold experience has pretty much played itself out. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember when he started out hot, the first three weeks of the season, I came on your awesome show and I was, you know, I was that guy. I, I told you, don't, don't buy the Sam Darnold as a different cat kind of narrative because Sam Darnold is who he is. And, you know, he'll have two nice games, maybe three at the out, outset, but eventually he will be Sam Darnold again. And he did. He was Sam Darnold again. Last year and the year before, he had, a, you know, some good games and he was injured. And the year before, he had some good games and he was injured. 
And this year, he's had some good games, and he's injured. And so the guy is who he is. I don't think Sam Darnold is going to get another opportunity to be an NFL starting quarterback. His next step is, you know, with whatever next team he goes to, at the best, you need to compete, young man, and more likely you're the backup. The, the Panthers obviously dying to look forward. We know David Tepper really wants to get a big shot quarterback. Got to be hard, I imagine, for this new regime that wants to be facing forward to, to be going to its past to, to find the replacement quarterback it's hoping can, can still help salvage a, a wild card berth. But doing what's best for its team at this point in time with what's available out there. Right. And, and look, I don't blame them. They're trying to salvage a season. And, but what this tells you is that their, their vision for fixing that quarterback situation is not in the draft because what typically happens when teams lose their starting quarterback and they have a desire to, to find a quarterback in the draft is they rein in a little bit understanding that the higher you pick in the draft, the better chances are of finding a good quarterback. I think that the Carolina Panthers next off season, assuming Cam Newton, is not like 2015 Cam Newton? And I just see no reason why he would be because it's 2021. Uh, assuming that is the case, the Carolina Panthers have shown their cards. They're going to be looking for a veteran quarterback next year Someone like, you know, an Aaron Rodgers, someone like um, a Russell Wilson, someone of that ilk. I'm not someone like Deshaun Watson, who I have dreams about. Um, you know, it's that is their approach. That's what it's going to be. That's what they're telling us right now. And I'm not saying it's going to be successful. But it's pretty clear that's the way it's going to be. Armando Salguero, our guest, you can read his work at outkick.com. Do you buy that the Patriots are this close to the Buffalo Bills right now? I know they are in record, and the record is what they who you are. Seven weeks from now, are they still within a game of Buffalo in that division? How, how do you see this going? Well, uh, I guess what you're asking me is, do I like Josh Allen and take him over uh, – better offensive line play, better defensive front seven play, and just better game planning. Because that's what we're really comparing here. We're comparing uh, an elite type quarterback, which the Patriots do not have, versus a really good offensive line, a really, you know, really well-disciplined, borderline great front seven, mm-hmm. and really good game planning, which the Buffalo Bills do not have. Um, My guess is, and I'm going to elect Josh Allen. And yes, Josh Allen was terrible against the, the, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars, but I get the feeling that's not going to be repeated very many more times this year. It hasn't been repeated a lot in the last couple of years. So Uh, I'm buying Josh Allen, and I still think the Patriots are going to be all right and borderline, you know, wild card, but they're not better than the Buffalo Bills 
if Josh Allen has anything to say about it. Do you think Russell Wilson's return means the Seahawks are right back in the thick of it, or have they fallen off by too 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 much in his in his absence over the last month? Yeah, so they're three and five, unless you know I misread the standings. And I don't see a lot of super teams, especially not in the AFC. So that you know, when the networks start to do the uh division leaders. And then wild card, they have that in the hunt. Yes. The Seahawks are in the hunt. And I'm sorry, did I say a- AFC? Yeah. Yeah. So they're in the hunt. Uh, you know, they're not going to win the division. So can we, can we agree. agree to that? Uh, and there's another team in the division that's probably going to get a wild card spot. But there's multiple wild card spots, and this year there's actually one more than normal. So, uh, can that team go? I don't know. They're three and five. Can they win? You know, the next six out of eight or something like that. I don't know. I think they probably could. My math is terrible, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, they've screwed it up with the extra it's, game. Don't ask me math questions. <laughs> No more math for it. This is not a math question. This is Armando Salguero, senior writer, senior NFL writer for OutKick with us on OutKick 360. The whole Cassius Marsh, um, the, the penalty, the taunting, Tony Carrente with the hip check, everything that went into the Monday Night Football controversy, we've not had you on since then, obviously. Where do you fall with all of this? Um, so this is this is where it makes no sense. The people who want this is uh, basically NFL coaches, NFL head coaches, right? They're the ones that helped to write those new taunting rules, uh, or rather they're the ones that push for, you know, the taunting rules to be used more this year. NFL coaches are the same people who every play basically are screaming at the official that is right next to him or as close to him as possible, they are taunting, basically. They are trying to um, work the ref, and yet they're the guys that are saying, well, we don't want a guy looking at us very hard. (laughs) Cassius Marsh did. He looked at the Steelers' sideline, on which he played last year, by the way, He looked at him, and I know what he was saying in his head. Look at me. You missed out on me. I'm not sure that anyone on that Steelers sidelines 20 yards away (laughs) any peril or thinking that they were, you know, somehow going to be accosted. As a matter of fact, their punter walked right by (laughs) Cassius Marsh and, you know, kind of like, yeah, it, it was like nothing. The only guy that felt in the entire world that that was taunting was Tony Carrente. The pe- he, he bowed up to it. Yeah. And he, he hip-checked him on the way by. I mean, it's pretty clear he stuck out the hip as he walked by. The people, he was so mad at it. The people who can fix, tweak, God granted, eliminate that rule, start with the competition committee. They've shuffled some people there and expanded it by one person uh, sensible moves there. Mike Vrabel's not going anywhere. He's been added to the committee. Chris Greer 
has been added to the committee, and you've written about that he might not last beyond this year. How does a GM of the Miami Dolphins, who might be out of work in a couple months, uh, secure a, a, a spot like that that's a, a real get? Um, you know, years ago, Paul, Don Shula was on the competition committee, and every coach in the NFL, led by Bud Grant of the Minnesota Vikings, would always grouse and complain that Shula got preferential treatment because he was on the competition committee. Of course, back then, the competition committee had a direct pipeline to NFL officiating. Uh, fast forward to 2001, you know, I don't think, I don't know, here was math again. Is 80% of the officials in the NFL aware that Chris Greer, uh, soon to be fired, is on the competition committee. I don't think Greer being on there is a big deal. And if it is, I have news for you. He won't be much longer. <laughs> All right. Noted. Noted. Yeah. Everyone right, well, they, they increased it to 10, maybe, with the knowledge it'll soon go back to nine. There are one lucky general manager is, uh, is about to be appointed uh, yet again uh, back to the post. Hey, Armando, thank you as always. Enjoy the game tonight. We look forward to your coverage all weekend for week 10. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I got to go do my calculations now of what's going to happen because I'm so great at math. <laughs> Good luck. Blame it on the 17-game yeah. schedule. Good luck. Armando Salguero yeah. has been our guest. You can read his work at outkick.com. And again, follow him on Twitter. Uh, you see it on the screen there, but for the uh, radio listeners, just just his name. It's very simple, at Armando Salguero. Uh, a lot to get to coming up. Let's dive back into the Dalvin Cook uh, story and the reporting of it uh, that happened earlier this week yeah, over a I, 24-hour period. I think it's worse than Armando made it out to be um, and look well, forward to spelling that out. Unfortunately, I, I mean, we're, 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 Victor, we're, we're playing into this too. A lot of the media is discussing Adam Schefter more than they are Dalvin Cook about this. Well, we could discuss both. And there, there, there's an issue in that as well. And it starts up top. We'll, we'll discuss that next on Outkick 360. This is from Albert Breer. Outkick 360 rolls on. Interesting how it unfolded. Rams told Odell Beckham's camp that they didn't have much money to spend, but Beckham's camp encouraged them to stay involved because he liked the idea of L.A. Meanwhile, on their own, the Rams players quietly recruited Odell Beckham Jr. And then Von Miller also did. And according to, uh, it may have been um, ESPN, it might have been Albert Breer, forgive me, it may have been Rappaport, um, who tweeted out and said that the aggressive play for Von Miller at the trade deadline was a, a ceiling factor for for Odell Beckham Jr. and with the aggressive mentality that they're going for it. Take that for what it's worth. He it's was funny. available. Now he's in L.A. I, I, listen, I, I see all that, and I understand why he loves it. He also just watched them play incredibly poorly. Yeah. Right? So, like, they're going for it, but on national TV, they're going for it. Just look really bad. I understand Von Miller wasn't on the field and all of that. But they just got beat by a team that was minus its most valuable player, that was playing no-name corners, and that, you know, 
So I, it's funny to me that that doesn't factor in as much. I know it's a one-off, right? But still. So Robert Klimko, um, a couple nights ago, had a thread going on Twitter uh, referring to how Adam Schefter uh, reported on the Dalvin Cook story. Klemko now of the Washington Post, previously yes, yes. of Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated, right. Um, so he goes into detail of how, hey, you know, he gets, it's clear where this is coming from. He's comparing, you know, notes here saying that this is, this is clear from, uh, from Dalvin Cook's camp about how they want to handle this and get out in front of the news that's about to hit. They send this to Schefter, and Schefter nonchalantly, and he admitted to this last night, uh, just threw it out there as as the camp gave it to him. The camp being the agent, the lawyer, whoever else is involved with all this. Um, and, and Schefter, uh, both to his credit and in, in weird fashion, did a, was, a, I guess you call it an apology. Mea culpa. Uh, yeah. It, it, it fessed up to the fact that he did not offer the other side a say in how this was reported initially. Uh, in giving both sides a chance to respond prior to going with this news. Um, did this last night with L. Duncan on SportsCenter. Here's the thing. He does it so on, here's, on he, SportsCenter. Let me read is, the initial tweet because I think it's important. This yeah. is the initial tweet the, yes. from Adam Schefter, yeah. verbatim. This is what was strange about it to me. Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook is the victim of domestic abuse and extortion. There's pending litigation, according to his agent, Zach Hiller. Just very rushed. Yes. Right? You start with there's a you know, there's litigation against Dalvin Cook. His agent is claiming that Dalvin is the victim in this and is the victim of domestic uh, abuse and extortion. But when you start with a definitive statement, yeah. Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook is the victim of domestic abuse and extortion. Yeah, that that it's statement. a very weird tweet, and I just immediately think Adam Schefter is right all the time. He gets every story. At some point, you just decide, this is my 15th scoop of the day. I'm just going to put it out there exactly right. as this guy texted it to me, not even think about it. He just wasn't thinking. Well, the problem is, here's, here's my well, issue. I don't know how that I, is, I think, but he wasn't thinking. I think thinking. this guy's given a lot of information before, and it's time to pay the piper. He, um, yeah, and, and that's what Klimko did. Klimko went back and screen. he was able to screenshot instances of uh, Dalvin Cook's contract, contract extensions, holdouts, all the details. He's like, where do you think you got this from? A couple years ago. Now, to Paul, what Paul's saying, he's got to pay the piper. My issue with it is he, he didn't have to think twice about sending that out because ESPN doesn't make him think twice That's about exactly sending that right. out. That's exactly right. He's not That's vetted by a news it's not, desk it's like not other people. It's Schefter. It's the employer that allows Schefter to become this. He's his own news And bureau. this goes across the board. This is not just an ESPN problem. But unless you're 60 minutes or unless you're outside the lines, which doesn't even exist anymore, you're, they're not asking you to do any investigation. You're, they're just asking you to give opinion on news, and then if it's news, go with it, and then source it and write a story about it later. Like, there's, no, there, there's no second sourcing going yeah. on here anymore, and that's, that's just big media nowadays. No, and with most and stories, if you get it wrong, huh? if you get it wrong it's, it, you forget People about it in 24 hours. And with most stories that aren't domestic violence, rape, stuff like that, accusations, mm -hmm. you don't even need to get both sides. Look, if I've got, um, I, I can't think of a good example, but if I've got some kind of dispute between a player and the team, well, if I get a little bit that the player's saying something, the player side is saying something, I would put that out, even as a, not just a tweet, but I would write that story. 
Then I would, while I'm working to get the other side, then I would write that story. You write it in pieces now. You can't get the whole story because if I have the player's side, I can't wait for the other side in the meantime because somebody else will match the player's side. So everything's incremental now, right? You don't get two sides to a story. But on a story like that, you have to wait to get both sides. And then Schefter sneaks in the apology thing at the end of a Sports Center segment. He's got 5 million Twitter followers or however many, 500 million, whatever it is. You have to do it on your biggest platform. You have to do it on the same platform you did the initial Let's tweet Let's continue on. this t- conversation to start the next hour. We'll get into that and much more on OutKick 360.